confidence in your heart that, that when that role is called up yonder, you will be there? I'll be there. I do. I have confidence, and we're going to talk a little bit about that today. I'd like you to turn in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians, if you would. 2 Corinthians chapter 13. There are two classes of people, two classes of mankind, human beings, that walk this earth. And it boils down to these two simple things. Those who believe by God-given faith the truth of God. They believe who He is. We who believe know that God, all the fullness of the Godhead, all of the God the Father, all of God the Spirit, dwell in God the Son bodily. Our Lord Jesus Christ is of one mind with God the Father and the Spirit. Everything about the three coincide together. There is no division between the Godhead. And you can see the entire God. When you see the Lord Jesus Christ, when you worship the Lord Jesus Christ for who He is, you worship God the Father and God the Spirit. I've had someone tell me one time that, John, you can't say that Jesus Christ raised Himself from the dead. I know the Scriptures say that, but you've taken the glory away from God the Father when you say that. Because it only says at one time in, in scriptures about he's, the Lord says, I take I, I lay down my life, I take it up again. He said, I take it up again. Now all the other times it talks about the resurrection, it talks about the Father raising raising his son from the dead. And because it was only once, I'm told that I'm taking the glory away from the Father. Uh-uh. That's not true at all. We give glory to the Son, we give glory to the Father. If you don't glorify the Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, then you don't glorify the Father at all. Those who believe God, by God-given faith, we believe the truth of God and what He has done. We believe that God by Himself purged our sins when He went to the cross and laid down His life and shed His blood for us. We don't believe that God did some and we have to do something else to receive it. We don't believe that by our own will that we've, we're accepting His gift of salvation. We believe that salvation is of the Lord. Amen. And of the Lord alone. Those who believe in, by God-given faith, the truth of God, they believe what He has done and who He did it for. He did it for His elect. I know that I would have never chosen God if He had not chosen me. Do you know that? Yes. Wonderful. Because that's a knowledge that you can only receive from God Himself. Those who believe God by God-given faith, they believe the truth and where our Savior is right now. He sits on His throne. Death could not hold the God of everything, the God of creation, the Almighty Sovereign. He's the Lord of death. He's the Lord of everything. We believe by God-given faith the Word of God as it is. And then, there's those who do not. I often get this statement, John, I just don't know that I'm saved. I'm str I struggle, John. My answer is always, I know. So do I. 
So do all of God's children. We all struggle with that doubt of looking into yourself and seeing in the mirror the sin that's within us and saying, how could God save a person like this? I understand why God hated Esau. What blows my mind is that He loved Jacob. Jacob was way worse than Esau. What blows my mind is that He would love John. That He would love me. There's nothing in me worth loving. John, I just don't know. I just don't know if I'm saved or not. Are you with me in 2 Corinthians chapter 13? Look with me if you would. We'll, we'll start at verse 1. Paul writes, writing to the Corinthians. Now listen to these words careful, folks. Listen to these words. He's speaking to the church at Corinth. He says, This is the third time I am coming to you. In the mouth of two or three witnesses shall every word be established. I told you before and foretell you as if I were present the second time and be absent now, I write to them which hereto have sinned and to all other that I come again, I will not spare, since ye seek a proof of Christ. Did you see that? John, I just don't know whether I'm saved or not. I don't see it. I don't see it, John. Since ye seek a proof of Christ speaking in me, which to you is not weak, but in mighty in you. Do you see what he's saying there? Do you see how Paul's addressing that question? For though he was crucified through weakness, yet he liveth by the power of God. For we also are weak in him, but we shall live with him by the power of God towards you. Examine yourself. I've, I, we've looked at this, this uh, verse several times in the last couple of months. Uh, examine yourself. Examine yourself whether you be in the faith. Prove your own selves. Know ye not your own selves, how that Jesus Christ is in you, except ye be reprobates? Now I'd like you to turn over to Romans chapter 1. We were looking at this this morning. Romans chapter 1, and I, I warned you folks who uh, were able to be with us that this is going to be a continuation of our study in Romans chapter 1. I sat down this morning to look at Romans chapter 1 to consider where we would go with it, and I thought, oh, oh my goodness, this is right along, this is the message that I wanted to preach right here. This is exactly what we see here. My question for you today is, be ye John, Ask yourself this question, be ye a reprobate? Have you ever wondered what the word reprobate means? It means the complete opposite of approved. To be a reprobate means you are completely unapproved, or that is, rejected, or by implication, worthless. Ah, cast that away is done, I don't want that. Cast it away into outer darkness. Literally or morally, it means rejected, worthless, reprobate. Begin with me, if you would, at verses 17 and 18 of Romans chapter 1. 
For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. Now we, we looked at those in close detail with our Bible study this morning, and I, I believe it's recorded and it'll be on uh, sermon audio for those of you who couldn't join us today. So if you want to go back uh, after this evening when Kathy's had a chance to post that, I highly encourage you to because that's part one of what we're about to look at next. Verse 18, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven. We just read, For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. Now we read in verse 18, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. There are two revelations from heaven. One is the grace of God in Christ Jesus, the righteousness of God upon all who believe, and the other is the wrath and the judgment of God upon all unbelievers. This, re this wrath is revealed in the law of God and the judgment of God upon Adam, upon Sodom. You'll remember the judgment of God was poured out on some Sodom and Gomorrah. It was poured out on Adam when he sinned against God. God kicked him and Eve out of the Garden of Eden. Sodom, it was destroyed by fire along with Gomorrah. Noah's world judgment was poured out upon the world around Noah, the one of eight. And there's, other, there's countless other examples that we can look at in scriptures. But most important, the example we see most important is the one upon the cross. God's judgment was laid out upon all of his elect on that cross. All of the judgment of God was laid upon our substitute, the Lord Jesus Christ. The cross of Christ on which God spared not his own son who bore the sin of all of his sheep. Listen to Psalms 5.5. It says, The foolish shall not stand in thy sight. Thou hatest all workers of iniquity. In Psalm 7, verse 11, we read these words, God judges the righteous and God is angry with the wicked every day. In John chapter 3, verse 36, we read these words, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life. But the wrath of God abideth in him. The revelation of righteousness is Christ. It's, Christ, it's in Christ, and it is by His grace. The Apostle begins here in verse 18 to describe the awful ungodliness and unrighteousness of men living under the revelation of the nature of destitute. Destit, being destitute of the true knowledge of God. Now what I mean by that is that they have some knowledge of the divine being through creation. We can look out and say, look what God has created. And many do. Why? Because it's written on the hearts of all men that there is a God. People say, well, I don't believe in God. Yes, they do. They may not believe in the God, but they believe in some God. Some make themselves to be gods. Some believe in a God who is trying to help people. Some believe in a God who's done some and needs you to do the rest. Idols of our imagination. All mankind have a knowledge of the divine being through creation and a conscience of it 
but they reject it and they give way to evil only. This is our nature. We read this in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1, and you hath he quickened, you hath he made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sin, where in times past ye walked according to the course of this world. We walk just like the goats, folks. We acted like the goats. We've never been goats. We've been sheep since before the world ever began. God has loved His people before anything was ever created, which makes everything created for the love of His people. Where in times past He walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. And then in verse 3 of Ephesians 2, it says this, Among whom? We're right there with them. Among whom? We all had our conversations in times past in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. Now look at verses 19 and 20 of Romans chapter 1. Because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God hath showed it unto them. For the invisible things of Him from creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even His eternal power and Godhead. What do you think that all these religions are for out here? To serve a God. I don't care if it's Muslim, Islamic, Buddhism, Johnnyism, who whatever. I don't care if it's baptism. Let's start that again. Look at verses 19 and 20. Because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God hath showed it unto them. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. There are some things that cannot be known of God except through gospel revelation. That would be the revelation of God's righteousness. But there are some things that may be known of God by nature. God himself is invisible, but his power, his majesty, his glory shine throughout all of his creation. That's why there's all these different religions. Everybody knows there's a creator. They just don't know the creator. They go about trying to establish their own righteousness, ignorant of the righteousness of Christ. God himself is invisible, but his power, majesty, and glory, they shine in all of his creations. Listen to Psalms 19, verse 1. The heavens declare the glory of God. I've shared this with you before, but i got to do it again because it just it reminds me so much. As I was traveling through Canada on our motorcycles, I saw the glorious... I mean, have you ever stood at the bottom of, of uh, El Capitan down here in Yosemite and looked up and said, oh, wow. Look what God's made. Look at the beauty of the creeks and all of this that God has made. I did that in Canada. We were coming down through a valley, and on both sides of the valley were ice, ice what they call the ice fields, two or 300 feet deep on top of straight cliffs. And it was just the most beautiful color. And I looked at it, and I thought to myself, look what God has made. Have you ever looked at a cloud, a bunch of clouds in the sky? And say, look at the picture that God has given us tonight of the sun shining up the cloud and it's all red and stuff. We give God the glory for everything because His glory is in all of His creation. And all mankind know this. The heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament showeth His handiwork. 
These folks, because they walk not in the light which they have, they are without excuse. If you and I had gone through that door marked death and we didn't belong to God, we'd have no excuse standing before Him. We would know there's no excuse. They have no excuse for their, for their idolatry and their sinful lives. When sons of Adam have nothing more than the manifestation of the living God and the works of creation, providence, and law and consciences, they have enough to render them inexcusable before God. Henry Mahan. Folks, it is, it is our duty to make good use of these things and the, and the cause... No, it is, I'm sorry. It is their duty to make good use of these things and the cause of their not doing so is because of their own evil hearts. Look at verse 21 with me. Because that when they knew God, they glorified Him not. They gave Him none of the glory. We knew there was a God that created all things, yet we would rather give glory to something else. Glory to our works. Glory to our imagination. Glory to anything but to Him. Because when they knew God, they glorified Him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain, conceited in their own imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Paul testifies here that God was given to men has given to men the means of knowing that there is a God and the world does exist does not exist by chance nor could it sustain itself if it were not for God. Those who believe so have made their understanding although it is wrong that they have made their so-called wisdom their God. Oh, I know about God. I've studied all the way through the scriptures. I know all about it. Yet they've never experienced his grace. They have no experience of what grace is. They know what His power upholds all things. His wisdom is arranged in the proper order. His goodness is evident, for there is no other cause but Himself for the creation and the preservation of this earth. His justice punishes the guilty, and all mankind stand guilty before a thrice holy God, and that's why there are so many religions. Though men had such a knowledge of God, they neither thought nor spoke honorably of Him. You know, when you say, it is my will, it is my decision to receive God, you have placed yourself above God? They did not glorify Him as God, nor honor Him as the Creator. Nor did they worship Him as the Lord and the Governor of the universe. They were not thankful for the knowledge that they had, nor for the mercies that God laid upon them. They forsook the truth of God, and they turned to the vanity of their own reason, and foolish imaginations. Their foolish minds and hearts were turned away from God and could only plunge headlong into darkness and error, delusions and unrighteousness. Listen to the words of Isaiah chapter 55, verses 8 through 9. Our Lord says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than yours. In Proverbs 14, 12, we read this, There is a way which seemeth right unto man, and this is talking about those very ones that we just reading about here in Romans chapter, chapter 1. There is a way that seemeth right unto man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. You go about through this world making yourself to be God, making yourself to be above God, thinking that it's right, it's the way of death. In Romans chapter 8, verse 7, we read these words. 
Because the carnal mind, because the natural man, the natural man is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. Men who will not have God to reign over them will have darkness and death to reign over them instead. That's what we read about in John chapter 3, in verse 19. And this is the condemnation that light has come into the world, and men love darkness. They love darkness. Why? Because the light would shine the deeds on their evil, on their evil deeds of placing themselves above God's, about not glorifying God, the true and living God, for who He is. That's what it says in verse 20. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. Continuing on in verse 22 of, of, of Romans chapter 1, professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. The so-called learned men among the Gentiles first called themselves wise men. Look how wise we are. We've studied this over and over again, and this is what we think it is. This is what we as men think the rightfulness of it should be. It's not right for God to love a people and hate another. Even though God says, Jacob have I loved, Esau have I hated. That's not right. That's not fair. That's what these wise men, these philosophers, all of their arrogance and claims to be lovers of wisdom, they became fools. For there is no true wisdom in this world. There is no true knowledge nor understanding apart from our Lord Jesus Christ. Turn over to, hold your place in Romans. We're going to come back to this. Mark your spot there. Turn over to Proverbs chapter 2. I want you to read this entire proverb with me if you would. Proverbs chapter 2. Mark your spot in Romans because we're going to go to Matthew next and then we'll come back to Romans after that. In the, se the second proverb, chapter 2, Proverbs chapter 2, we read these words. I'm going to read the whole thing, all 22 verses. My son, if thou wilt receive my words and hide my commandments with thee, so that thou incline thine ear unto wisdom, and apply thine heart to understanding. Yea, if thou criest after knowledge, and liftest up thy voice for understanding, if thou seekest her as silver, and searchest for her as, as for hid treasures, then shalt thou understand the fear of the Lord. Did you know that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom? Then shalt thou understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. Where are you going to find it? In the Word of God. Not in the wisdom of men, but in the Word of God, where all wisdom lies. For the, verse 6, For the Lord giveth wisdom out of his mouth, cometh knowledge and understanding. He layeth up sound wisdom for the righteous. He is a buckler to them that walk, that walk up, uprightly. He keepeth the paths of judgment and preserveth the way of his saints. Then shalt thou understand righteousness and judgment and equity, yea, every good path. When wisdom entereth into thine heart and knowledge is pleasant unto thy soul. Discretion shall, shall preserve thee, understanding shall keep thee. To deliver thee from the way of the evil man, from the man that speaketh forward things, who leave the paths of unrighteousness to walk in the ways of darkness, who rejoice to do evil and delight in the forwardness of wicked, whose ways are crooked and they forward in their paths, to deliver thee from the strange woman, even from the stranger which flattereth with her words, 
which forsaketh the guide of her youth and forgetteth the covenant of her God, for her house inclineth unto death and her paths unto the dead. None that go unto her return again, neither take they hold of the paths of life, that thou mayest walk in the way of good men and keep the paths of righteousness, of, of the righteous. For the upright shall dwell in the land and the perfect shall remain in it, but the wicked shall be cut off from the earth and the transgressors shall be rooted out of it. A man's mis greatest mistake is to seek wisdom in his own thoughts. Turn over to Matthew, if you would, chapter 11. Matthew chapter 11. A man's greatest mistake is to seek wisdom in his own thoughts and in understanding and try to draw God down to the level of his own low condition rather than humbly look to God for a revelation of himself. Are you with me in Matthew chapter 11? Look at verses 25 to 27. Matthew chapter 11, beginning at verse 25. And at that time Jesus answered and said, I thank thee, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because thou hast hid these things from the wise and prudent. That's speaking of those very ones that we saw back there, those ones who go about making, uh, not giving God the glory for who He is who put themselves above God in all that they do in their religious beliefs, I thank God, O Father of heaven and earth, because Thou hast hid these things from the wise and prudent, and hast revealed them unto babes. Even so, fathers, for it seemed good in Thy sight, all things are delivered unto me of my Father, and no man knoweth the Son, but the Father neither knoweth any man the Father be son. Ah, let me read that again. I lost my place. All things are delivered unto me of my Father, and no man knoweth the Son but the Father, neither knoweth any man the Father save the Son, and he to whomsoever the Son will reveal him. Now look over the 13th chapter of Matthew. Matthew chapter 13. We're talking about the difference between those who have been given the, the wisdom of God and those who believe in the, their own wisdom, who trust in their own wisdom. In Matthew chapter 13, we begin in verse 10, and we read these words, And the disciples came and said unto him, Why speakest thou unto them in parables? And he answered, and he said unto them, Because it is given unto you, unto you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. But to them it is not given. To those who go about to this world considering their wisdom, their God. To them it was not given, verse 12, For whosoever hath to him shall be given, and he shall have more abundance. But whosoever hath not from him shall be, shall be given away even that he hath. Therefore speak I to them in parables, because they seeing see not, and hearing they hear not, neither do they understand. One more, if you would, also in chapter 13. Look over at verse 16. Blessed are your eyes. Blessed are your eyes. By grace are we saved through faith, folks. Blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. What is it to be a reprobate? To be left to your own understanding? Go back to Romans, if you would, and let's finish this chapter 1. Beginning at verse 24. No, let's go back to verse 22 again. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the uncorruptible God 
into an image made like corruptible man, and to birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. You see the idols that man makes, the natural man makes here being described, wherefore it says in verse 24, God also gave them up to uncleanness. That's what reprobate is, to be given up, to be cast away. Wherefore God also hath given also gave them up to uncleanness through the lusts of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshipped and served the creature more than the creator who is blessed forever amen and for this cause we see this again for this cause because they worshipped and served the creature more than the creator for this cause, verse 26, God gave them up into vile affections for even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. And likewise also the men leaving the natural use of the woman burned in their lust one toward another, men with men working with which is unseemly and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error which was meat. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to what? A reprobate. What is a reprobate? It's one that God has given over to himself. John, I just don't know if I'm saved. Are you left to yourself? Or has God given you a hope in him? God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. Verse 29, being filled with unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, without understanding, covenant breakers, without natural affection, implacable, unmerciful, who knowing the judgment of God that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only to do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. Only one for whom God has loved from all eternity will come to the true knowledge of God. Only one by His grace will know Him as He is. Paul states over in verse 6 of our first text back in 2 Corinthians chapter 13. You don't need to turn there. Allow me to read it for you. He says, But I trust that ye shall know. I trust that ye shall know that we are not reprobates. Do you know whether I'm a reprobate or not? Obviously you can't read my heart. I want you to know who my trust is though. My trust is in my Savior. I have no confidence in this flesh. I have no confidence in the flesh like some religious do. I know that I am weak and unworthy and nothing but a worm before a thrice holy God, but I know that this also is that my Savior came to save people like me. He laid down His life for us because we can't do it ourselves. I trust that you'll know that I'm not a reprobate because my faith is in Him not in me. How do I know I'm not a reprobate? Turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. How do I know that I'm not a reprobate? 
How do I know that I'm saved? How can I go to this, sing these songs of confidence when the roll is called up yonder? I will be there. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, if you start with me at verse 17, it says, For Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel. I love the gospel. I love the gospel of man's depravity and, and because that's true about who I am in the flesh. I love the gospel of God's election, unconditional because He chose me, not in anything in me, but in my Savior, Christ Jesus. I love the gospel of my Lord's redeeming love for His people, His irresistible grace in calling us out of the darkness. And I love the gospel of being preserved in Him because I know I can't do it myself. I believe God's Word. All of it. Not just the parts I want to, but the whole thing. The world hates election. They hate the word preservation in Christ because that means you don't have to do anything. That's right. I can't do anything. Not with wisdom of words, writes Paul, lest the cross of Christ should be made of non-effect. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. For it is written in verse 19, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Hath not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For after that, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. I believe that. Because I didn't believe God until His Word was preached to me in truth. How about you? When did you start believing God? When you heard some lie about coming down to the front and being saved by your own decision? Verse 22, for the Jews require a sign and the Greeks seek after wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified unto the Jews a stumbling block and unto the Greeks foolishness. But unto them which are called both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. Now look over at verse 29. That no flesh should glory in His presence. And folks, I want you to read these next words in verse 30 with me in your own heart. But of Him, but of God, but of God alone are ye in Christ, who of God is made unto us. God has made Jesus Christ our wisdom. He's made Jesus Christ our righteousness. He has made Jesus Christ our sanctification and He's made Jesus Christ our redemption. He is our Redeemer. That according as it is written, He that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. Now, read the next two verses in chapter 2. And I, brethren, says Paul, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you, save Jesus Christ, and him crucified. The wisdom of man means less and less as I learn more and more of the grace of my Savior, Christ Jesus. Look back again with me at Romans chapter 1, verse 17. 
This was our subject this matter this morning for Bible study. It says in verse 17 of Romans chapter 1, For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. That's my life. Not in my worst. God help me to go out and do the 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 best that I can. God help me to go out and be as merciful to those that I can be merciful to. But my trust is in Him and His goodness, His righteousness, His mercy. Oh. I saw a quote and I completely, 100% believe and agree with this. My evidence that I am saved and not a reprobate my evidence that I am saved does not lie in the fact that I preach Christ and Him crucified. It's not whether I do this or whether I do that. All my hope lies in this one thing. Jesus Christ came to save sinners of which I am chief. I trust Him, therefore, He came to save me. How do I know my name will be called when the roll is called up yonder? Because Christ came to save sinners. And that's what I am. I believe all of his record. Therefore, I am not a reprobate. Amen.